Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sound the alarms. Emergency edition of the Coast to Coast podcast coming at you right now. All right, we're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. I'm Joey Powell. He's Sherelle McMillan. He's Sean Moran. If we're here on an emergency basis, you know it's a big deal. And absolutely one of the biggest deals that at least has happened since I've been doing this. North Carolina has secured a commitment from Ian Jackson, the number two overall player in the 2024 class, a 6'4", 170-pound wing. He attends Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx, New York. I uh, just visited recently. Uh, I think his visit was on the 6th of January as we're recording this. I will say, at least from my non-sourced up perspective on Inside Carolina, that I didn't see this one coming. Sherelle McMillan, how did we get here? Yeah, nobody did. Uh, I'm going to start with a question. Um, and if you read this, it's in the story too. But who do you think was the leading scorer? on the team, the UNC team that had the biggest comeback in school history. It's yeah, I'm uh, it's this is a softball. The comeback was uh was against what Florida State in ninety three? No, but don't overthink it. Who do you think has had the most points in the biggest comeback? Okay, this is bad radio. It's Hubert Davis. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Hubert okay. Davis. He had thirty he had thirty points in a comeback in nineteen ninety two against Wake Forest. And right. that's kind of what this is. Uh thirty one years ago he did it and he did it again with an improvement because there's no one, there's no one outside of the Smith Center who thought that North Carolina was a serious viable option for Jackson as, as recent as three weeks ago. You said um, it on this show. Yeah, I mean. Like I think and, we've said that. Yeah, and this this isn't a situation where, you know, we read the tea leaves wrong or we were getting bad information. The information was consistent from everyone that this kid was going to Kentucky. And I think some of the things that have happened with Kentucky over the last couple of weeks, coupled with. And absolutely uh, what he described as an amazing visit, what sources described as an amazing visit to UNC, kind of helped push him over the top. I, I don't think you can take Elliot Cadeau's commitment for granted uh, in this as well. It just shows showed that, you know, it's a top 10 kid taking a chance on UNC. And now, you know, you're starting to see, uh, I think, the run last year reflected. We said it wouldn't show up in 2023, but it would show up in 2024 and 2025. Um what Caleb Love did, what RJ Davis was able to do, people see that, they take note of it. And that's what happened with Jackson. So I mean you you cannot you cannot ever, ever overstate how much of an amazing recruiting win this is for Hebrew Davis. Because now in the last three weeks, think about this. There's there's four blue blue buzz in college basketball, we all agree. Mm-hmm. And to be frank, UNC hasn't fared well head to head against them in recruiting. But in the last three weeks, uh Elliot Cadeau, who UNC has a commitment from Kansas was on his list, his final list. 
James Brown, who UNC has a commitment from, Duke was on his final list. And today, Ian Jackson, who UNC has a commitment from, Kentucky was on his final list. North Carolina has never, ever beaten Kentucky in this modern era, you know, dating back 15 years mm -hmm. for a top five kid whose aspirations are one and done. So we talked about Elliot Cadeau being a kind of a new era, and I think this is a continuation of that. Well, I, I don't want to gas you up too much, man, but I will say uh, your line has always been, if North Carolina can get them on campus, we'll see what happens. And I want to back that with a tweet from uh, UNC's current leading scorer and candidate for player of the year, Armando Baycott, who says, if you're on a visit and you don't want to come to UNC, don't visit because you end up coming here or something to that effect. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he tweeted that recently. Um, Sean, I want to ask you, you've done a, a pretty good write-up on the dossier about, uh, about Captain Jack's game. What kind of player is he? Well, it might have been a few podcasts ago we were talking about what, what does UNC need? Uh, and, and no matter what recruiting class it, it is, it was a, a a true score that we were talking about. And, and Ian Jackson is, is that true score. Uh, I think nowadays any two guard is going to be able to handle the ball really well and, and be able to, you know, play that combo guard. But it, you know, when he's on the court, he's, he's putting the ball in the basket, uh, whether that's high school, AAU, uh, USA basketball, that's, that's what he excels at. Um, and sure. He's, he's a versatile versatile player but in terms of being a wired score that's uh that's who he is and and i think that's what we're gonna see in chapel hill um you know he can score from a variety of ways uh very athletic athletic player uh good with the ball in his hand so he can create one-on-one -on -one. uh he, he can catch and shoot i think that's probably as he continues uh over this season Still, probably the the main improvement point is just continuing to uh, increase that three point percentage. But we did already get to see a significant increase from uh, the summer after his freshman year uh, to the summer after his sophomore year this past summer, just in terms of what he was able to do. But um, you know, it, he's a he's a true scorer, and probably not since Kobe White uh, as UNC had somebody coming in that can score uh, to that ability. I appreciate you making that comp. You know, I love a good player uh, comparison. Sean, are, what holes in his game does he have besides, you know, the ones you listed about the parameter percentage? I mean, when I saw him on TV against um, against uh, M. Hodup, he was, he was pretty quick in getting his shot off. You've obviously got a better eye than I do. What are some things that he can, that he can work on to, to improve his game in the next, you know, 16 months? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, sh shooting, Shooting wise, efficiency will be will probably be the the number one thing. Um, right now, have recorded around 153s, and he's at 33 percent, which is still pretty good given a, a large sample that is from from his freshman freshman year, sophomore year. So still pretty young. Definitely doesn't track everything. So there's a lot of high school stuff that's not accounted for. Uh, but also, in, in terms of uh, you know, probably a little prone to turnovers um not not that he's careless with the ball but just that he can sometimes try to do a little little too much uh so i think that's going to be really the main thing is is how do you fit a score like this um that can handle the ball like he can in a team setting but i think we got glimpses of that in both uh, he played for both the fiba u16 team uh as well as the fiba u17 gold medal 
gold medal team this past summer. Uh, and obviously when you're playing with talent like that, you have to fit in. Uh, kind of another comparison, uh, which is going to be rare since uh, you're getting two two players uh, when I'm rarely, rarely give out any, but uh, another guy is Malik Newman, who uh, comes to mind, not, not in terms of exactly how they play. I think he's probably a little, a uh, little better with the ball in his hands, but just in terms of the, these kind of six, three scoring guards that can, can light it up from, from wherever. And I've seen his height range from anywhere from <laughs> six, three to, to six, seven on the, the USA basketball site. But, Having interviewed him uh, in the in the last live period, I would put it at six three six four max. Uh, but th- those are two of the things. And then defensively, I think he's a guy that can guard probably one one through three. Um, I don't think you're going to put him and say, "Hey, lock this lock lock the top offensive player down." But I think he should be a guy that that is a, a strong defender and and uh, given his size and and strength can can guard and switch on a few different different positions joy let me jump in too sure uh, man. i would say uh that's one of the things that usa um he was on the 17 and under team this past year um and at the tryout and at the mini camps that's something that everyone came back to was that his defense was really coming around and that's what stood out most uh, initially and that from there you started to see some of the other things that he does well um so definitely a shout out to his defense because I, I think as sean said in college he'll be able to guard you know i would say one through three um and you know, he's got a, a penchant for steals, you know, probably uh, probably uh, guesses sometimes a little too much or, or takes a leap, but he shouldn't trying to get a steal. Um, I've seen that in a few of the games I've watched of his, but generally a pretty solid defender. And really, to be honest, you know, a ton of what you learn defensively, it doesn't happen until college. So we can talk about defense, but you don't really know outside of a few rare examples like Seth Trimble, who's going to be a great defender in college when they're in high school. Well, and and that's some pretty good comparisons you guys have given out too about you know who are the guys that that can be that defender and and how Jackson has gotten to be more improved on his defensive game. Trill, highest ranking commit for UNC since who? Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the highest. Uh, it, w- I would rather say like the internet era, which is roughly two thousand three, um, because there were so many different sites and evaluation people you know doing rankings in two thousand two thousand one. Raymond Felton, by some people's accounts, was ranked number two in this class. Um, but those are the three uh, top two recruits for UNC dating back, you know, 23 years to 2000. Raymond Felton was number two by some. Uh, Harrison Martin was number one. And then um, Ian Jackson now is number two. Uh, there were a couple others. Cole Anthony was number three in this class. I think Nasir Little was number four. So uh, a, a rare type of commit for UNC. Again, can't overstate it. Um, just how big... And surprising this is, it's as much the how as the what. I know that's obviously what I usually <laughs> say. Um, but just the fact that if this was, you know, again, if this was a basketball game, Carolina was down big um, with not much time left in the game and came back and, and got the win. Uh, so it's, it is a new day. It really is um, with how North Carolina is recruited. I mean, no one else in college basketball, I think, has more than one commitment in the junior class. And now UNC has four, including two in the top 10, mm-hmm. three in the top 30, and four in the top 55, I think it is. Um, so, you know, they're they're kind of not quite done, but close to being done in that class, depending upon what Jackson and Cadeau, who both have options to reclass, do. Um, they, they're ahead of the game. What does this say for, you know, for Hubert Davis and the staff that they've got this much 
kind of in the boat, pardon the pun. Um, we know I see subscribers love a good fishing reference. He's got this kind of class already in the boat this far ahead of time. Does this give them uh, does this give them potential windows and other recruits that may not have answered the phone before? Um, I, I think so. I think you'll start to see it with the 2025 class as well. Uh, like I said, I think the run was too late to affect 2023. Those guys had kind of pretty much made their decisions and were moving forward. But I, I think what happened in from February last year through April, I think that is definitely impacting 2024 and already is impacting 2025. I think it's going to impact when they go to the transfer portal. They can say, look, here's a documented history of guys we brought in from the, from the portal. They typically start or they typically play a, a good amount of minutes. Now, there are a couple of examples where it didn't quite work out, but it at least happened. So they have that. Um, and then, uh, like I said, in 2025, that it, it catches your eye when you see one school doing so well so early with guys that you play with at USA, on EYBL, on 3SSB, on Under Armour Circuit. Um, so it's it's huge. Again, you, you cannot overstate it. It, it, it is... It is uh, yeah, when I'm at a loss for words, it's it's a big deal. Let's put it that way, because um, this just was not expected. And I think Hubert Davis is now checking off boxes. He's checked off the, can he get a team to buy in and play like he wants? You know, check. Can he get a team to buy in like he wants that wasn't primarily players that he recruited? Check. You know, can he recruit a solid foundational class? Check. Can he recruit now uh, a high-level top-end class that features some of the best players in the country? Check. So, um, he's he's showing that he can do all the things necessary to be not just a, a really good head coach, but potentially a great head coach. And now the winning just has to follow. Up. Yeah, it's definitely great for optimism, if nothing else. And hopefully the the fan base will find something to rejoice at in, in seeing this kind of coup with, with Ian Jackson. Sean, we've talked about this on every emergency podcast we've done, and the answer has been very consistent from you. I'm going to ask you again, what's left missing from – uh, from UNC's recruiting board right now. We we put 23 to bed a long time ago. Now we're looking at 24, and and, and that one's almost done. What's left to add to this class? I mean, I, I guess there's still still questions on where where do some of those players go. We've talked about Cadeau. Uh, you know, I think he'll stay in the 24 class, but when you look at his age, uh, being close to uh, 20, if he, you know, if it is 2024 when he does step on, and then uh, Jackson was something that we brought up uh, when we interviewed him back in, in July and, and it wasn't the age, it was more, uh, he's dominated the U 17 AAU level and he's played on the U 17 USA level. So what, what was really left for him next, next summer? Uh, so it'll be interesting just to monitor those, those situations. Um, but I still think Jaron Stevenson, uh, is really the, the main, the main question mark, uh, cause he does bring that uh, say four, four, you know, stretch four ability, uh, which could complement James Brown and, and Drake Powell and, and the other guys. And it was Hebert's uh, very first scholarship offer in that class. So uh, last time we set a true score uh, as well as uh, potential Jaron Stevenson. And, and now we're still at, at that Jaron Stevenson or maybe somebody that can, that can fit into that role. Um, you know, and once again, it's a long spring and summer and other players can can come out of nowhere or or develop that aren't on the radar and who, who knows where the roster's looking so th i think there could always be one to two different additions but um i'll go with the the stretch four and once again the, the true scores you can never have enough of those sherelle does 
uh, does this class filling up kind of in an accelerated timeline? Does that change anything with Jaron Stevenson? Um, I don't think so. I think maybe it, it potentially emboldens them to stay the course because now they UNC's cars are kind of on the deck, so to speak. They know what UNC has. They know what UNC doesn't have, and they can proceed, you know, um, how they wish. He's been pretty consistent. His family's been pretty consistent. They're going to wait until after this AAU season uh, ends to, to potentially make a decision. I do think you'll see an official visit set up with him for UNC sometime during basketball season. That was their goal uh, for the family was to wait until basketball season. So I think you'll see that. And, you know, again, it's the common refrain now, you know, once you, if UNC can get you on campus, who knows, you know, what, what might happen. Um, and I think also the class is going to be impacted because as we said, um, when guys say they're not going to reclass early, I always take that with a grain of salt just because things can change. You know, Gigi Jackson at this point last year said that he wasn't going to reclass, and mm -hmm. uh, we know that he ended up doing that. So things can change quickly, and, uh, you know, we, there's a chance you could see Jackson in 2023 or, or Cadeau in 2023. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that's the flexibility UNC kind of has, that either of these guys can be in either class. And one thing that um, uh, Hebert Davis has talked to uh, Ian Jackson about is kind of filling that Caleb Love role is just like a pure score um, in, in the lineup. And depending on what Caleb does, that role could be open, you know, beginning in 2023. So those are just things to think about. Don't know what those decisions will be, um, but I do know they're in play. So uh, again, not to go back to everything we've said, but uh, a really highly rated recruit, um, unexpected, and UNC beating Kentucky for a top five one and done. It's just something that doesn't happen. So I think we all have to kind of reset how we think about things and how they recruit. Um, I'll be honest. When they started recruiting, it was kind of like, why? Because <laughs> he's, he's the type of player who typically just does not sniff UNC. But um, we're I think we were still looking at things maybe through a Roy Williams lens, and we had to stop doing that. Uh, so uh, the other thing was that, you know, the New York area continues to be fertile ground for UNC. Shut it down. Um I think we put in the story that between Danny Green and uh, Cole Anthony, the only two players in that region were Desmond Hubert and Dexter Strickland. And now since Cole Anthony, they've had RJ Davis, um, they signed Wilcher, they've got a commitment from Godot, and now they have a commitment from Jackson. And so you have to expect they'll continue to to mine that area for talent. Yeah, I made the joke a couple of weeks ago about Hubert Davis just kind of getting an apartment right down next to the Rucker and hanging out just to make sure he's picking up anybody that's, that's, that's dribbling a basketball in that area. Uh, we're not too far off now because it's starting to get a little ridiculous with, with what the staff is is pulling off. And it's a heck of a position for this this group to be in, you know, knowing, like you said earlier, Sherelle, that this far ahead and to your point, Sean, that the class is, is really well-rounded from a skill uh, perspective and, and what these guys bring to the table. All right, before we get out of here, anything else you guys want to add? I mean, By the way, I would be remiss if I didn't say something about the fact that Clearly, it's Johnny T-shirt that is is winning these guys over when they're taking these visits. So, shout out to Johnny T-shirt for being a sponsor of the show. Boys, anything else y'all want to add before we get out of here? I'll, I'll just add that uh, this is easily the most shocked I've been uh, with the with the recruitment in terms of where where it started and and how it how it ended, um, which just goes everything Sherelle was saying. And uh, in terms of you know, I only got to interview him once uh, in in person after. Uh, after the Adidas event in California, but you know, you forget how young uh, the, the the players are. But he was he was uh, 
you know, didn't have the, the rote answers that a lot of the, the top players do and being interviewed. And, uh, you know, despite being very flashy on the court, you can see his charisma in the interview, but still, uh, you know, kind of a quiet, quite nice kid. So I feel like UNC is getting a good, good player on and off the court with this one. Can never, can never have too many of those in your locker room at any point in time. Sure. Anything you want to add before we close up? Yeah, two pennies. Uh, one, uh, people aren't going to like it, but I think it's an important point to make. You know, uh, Carolina and Duke both went through coaching changes, going to assistant coaches who had never been head coaches. And while I, I would say uh, Hubert Davis has, has proven some and Shire's in his first year, the recruiting at those two schools is just isn't going to stop. UNC um, hasn't recruited as well as Duke lately, but they weren't, you know, to your point, on the coast to coast sisters of the poor technical tech or anything like that when it comes to recruiting. But now you have Duke with a couple of number one, number two classes. Uh, now you're going to have Carolina with either the number one or, or, or two class more than likely in 2024. And that's just going to build. So I think it says a lot about those programs that at least on the recruiting front, they're able to withstand the retirement of absolute legends and still kind of persevere and continue being, you know, those blue blood schools. So that's one. And then two, uh, Jackson brings a lot of energy. And I think at times that's something that UNC, uh, the players, the coaches have talked about, like they lacked energy today. They don't know why. They can't find the answer. I think with all of the players that Hubert Davis has recruited thus far, I don't know if that will be an issue moving forward. Um, talking to Jackson, he said he loves when the crowd roars. He loves when people scream at him and yell at him and that kind of thing. So he has some showman to him, but he also loves basketball. And again, very ener energetic, very um but just on the court, just loves to play basketball. So I think that's something that um, should be noted as well. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, quite the surprise that we're even doing this show today, but uh, it's definitely a, a monumentous and excitable one for uh, Carolina fans inside Carolina subscribers as Captain Jack Ian Jackson, 6'4 wing guard out of New York, has committed to Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. Number two in the overall class. I mean, it's it's pretty freaking impressive as you guys have laid out. Thank you all for making time for this. Uh, shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the show. We appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't subscribed, shows like today or why you need to be subscribers, this stuff will land in your inbox immediately. You don't even have to go seek it out. It'll be right there for you. So hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating review if you feel like it. Shout out to John Siegley for producing. Guys, I appreciate it. Until next time, this has been an emergency edition of the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell, but Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan, we are out. Late. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.